Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay, I think we're finally at a go. Um, my system was just doing this charming thing where every time like I, I didn't do a testing, it would sound awful when I played it back after I'd recorded everything I wanted to say. And then when I did do the testing and I'd start another take, I'd flub it up and I'd have to re-record it. And it's just been a back and forth process. But anyway, hello. Happy Friday. How are you freaks? Is everything going good? How are you? Are you great? Okay, good. I'm so glad to hear. Oh goodness, we keep cutting in and out and I think the reason is is that the um, cord that my microphone is connected to my computer with is pretty precarious so I should probably um, replace that pretty soon but we're just going to keep trekking along because it is very late and I have to get up very early for a flight tomorrow and you know want to have this episode posted on time but yeah this is the podcast where I Alyssa Canova watch two horror movies every week and uh, time together with a theme tell you what I thought about them this week I um really just wanted an excuse to watch one movie in particular but I decided to um well you know I love a, a strong female lead especially if she can be the villain um so this movie I no. So this week I watched movies with evil stepmother characters. Um, and it was fabulous. I want to say that I have a wonderful and lovely stepmother. Um, not at all like these bitches, uh, not at all like the bitches in these movies. Um, I, so this week, this week I watched the uninvited from 2009 and the lodge from 2019. And I had an amazing time, so let's just get into it. All right, let's get into The Uninvited. I actually saw this movie when it came out in theaters, ironically enough, with um, my dad's like girlfriend at the time and her kid um, and my sister. Um, this woman did not end up being a stepmother, <laughs> but um, I digress. So I just love this movie so much. Um, really chose this theme this week as an excuse to rewatch this movie. Um, loved it when it came out. It came out again on Netflix a couple years back and I watched it like at least three times in one month because it's just so good. Like I love it. This is like one of my favorite ways you can do a horror movie. Like the twisty roo is just great. And I think it really holds up because it's like the twist is not something where it, it makes like the rest of the movie not make any more sense. Like it makes the rest of the movie make a lot of sense. So it's like, I, I think it's a really fun rewatch in that regard. But, um, Emily Browning plays the lead and she's just so stunning. Like she just has a face you can stare at. Um, and Ariel Kebble plays her sister and you know you get the sense uh, her sister's name is Alex you know they're Anna and Alex and they are basically their names you know Anna is like demure and pale and sweet and quiet and Alex is like tan and body and a little slutty and is always drinking right and the evil stepmother in this movie is played by Elizabeth Banks. Yes, our Elizabeth Banks, director of Cocaine Bear. We love her. She did so great in this role. Like, she has, like, a, a cold coolness that is very chilling. There's three synonyms for cold. Okay. Um, so, anyway, the, this movie starts um, with, like, 
summertime bonfire kids in the woods making out and you know we see our lead girl Anna and she's making out with this boy and you know he's very smooth about it he's like I love you and I have a condom and she's like okay yeah I really shouldn't be here so she like leaves she leaves her sister there to hang out with these dudes and she's just drunk or whatever and she makes her way back home but like before okay so no so here's what happens is um we hear her give a voiceover and she's like, she's describing a dream. She's like, I'm at a party, but all I want to do is get home. And she's walking through these woods and she sees these three like stuffed black garbage bags. And she opens one up and it's like the body of a, of a dead girl um, with like this red hair and her head spins around and she says, don't go home. Um, and then she says, she hear, I hear my mother's bell, so I go to find her. And it's like this, just this faint, you know, bell. And then we see her sick mother. She's like bedridden in this boathouse and she's ringing a bell. And she's like, my mom's not supposed to be alone. Um, and there's something wrong and there's something evil in the house. So she goes from the boathouse up to the main house. But at some point she like drops this like canister full of water and then the entire like boathouse like explodes in flames. And then we see that Anna is like talking about this in therapy and she says, I feel like my mom is trying to tell me something in this dream. And it's like this new detail about this like watering can she's holding. She's trying to figure out like what that means. But basically we know that like her mother did die in this fire, but um, Anna doesn't remember why. And her therapist is telling her that sometimes we forget things as like a survival mechanism. And even though this explosion was a mystery, maybe you're not supposed to know what happened. And so we see that Anna has been spending time in this hospital, um, but the therapist says that she's she's ready to be dismissed and go home. And so she eagerly goes to pack up her stuff, and she waves to her dad downstairs. And there's this other girl in the hospital, like a girl across the hall from her, and she's like, so she says she's going to be so lonely when she leaves. And she's like, do you really think they fixed you? Because they couldn't fix me. And Anna just like doesn't pay her any mind. She doesn't have any compassion. She just leaves. So they're in the car headed home and the dad shows Anna this book that I guess he just got published um, and it says dedicated to his daughters Anna and Alex and then he like gives her some like homemade cookies and he's like Rachel made them and she's like immediately uncomfortable with that Um, but they pull up to the house they've got this huge big ass house on the lake Um, and Anna runs in she's excitedly like looking for her sister Alex Um, she looks out the window and sees her swimming in the lake so she goes down to join her and then we see (laughs) Elizabeth Banks just standing in the doorway Um, and she's like just gotten back from a run so she's like sweaty and she greets she greets Anna and she's like you look so skinny I need to like fatten you up and Rachel's just like I don't even want to talk to this bitch Um, or no Anna's just like I don't even want to talk to this bitch but Rachel is like I want to throw you a welcome party, you know, and we've got all summer to do it. So let's get to planning. Um, And Anna, of course, just can't get away fast enough. Um, She goes to see the boathouse and it's like totally redone. Like you wouldn't have even known that it had just like exploded recently. Um, But she like imagines that she can still like see her mom in there. And she finally sees Alex and the two of them hug. And Alex like gives her all the tea. She's like, they wanted it to be finished before you got back. Um... But also, you'll never believe how quickly this bitch Rachel moved in, Um, you know, because at first she was like helping with the funeral and now she's helping him cope and she basically hasn't left. 
Um, and she's like, and screw you for like deserting me by going to the loony bin. Um, and also not writing me back the entire time you were there. And Anna was like, I never got any of your letters. So Alex like runs up to the house and she's like in the study with her dad and she's like yelling at him, accusing him of not sending her letters. And he seems just like totally unbothered by it. So Alex just like walks away in a huff. Um, later in the kitchen, Rachel is cooking and she hugs Anna and um she's like I really want to make this work you know you're supposed to hate dad's new girlfriend but like I really just want us to be friends but Anna's just like just very off put by her and she's like wait there's something missing like didn't there used to be like a chalkboard hanging over here and Rachel's like yeah I just figured we didn't you know need it anymore so Anna goes upstairs to like get their chalkboard um she also finds a box of her mom's old stuff including like the bell she used to wear and she finds, like, this one family photo of them with uh, Rachel, like, standing in the back. So it's, like, we get the full picture now. Like, mom was sick. Rachel was the nurse and is now the dad's girlfriend, which is just gross. It's just gross. Um, and later that night, while uh, she's trying to go to sleep, Anna hears them, like, banging it out in the next room. And that's also pretty gross. But then she, like wakes up and hears like the faint chime of a bell and her door slowly creaks open and then she sees like an old burnt up hand lifting up and grabbing the blanket off her bed and then she wakes up from a nightmare and Alex is in her room and Alex is drunk from having been at a party and she sees that she has the bell and she's like what the fuck are you doing with that that's so gross and she's like what it was mom's like I just you know something to like remember her by and she's like, yeah, but do you even, like, know why we have that bell? And Anna's like, yeah, so we could, like, hear her when she needed us. And Alex is like, no, Rachel got that thing at a fucking pet store and tied it around mom's wrist so that she would know when she was coming while she was, like, banging our dad. So the next day, Anna is going to, like, hang up the chalkboard in the kitchen. And she practically, like, bashes a hole into the wall because she's as she says later she's like she was swinging that hammer with her eyes closed she did not give a shit she like barely puts a nail into the wall hangs up their chalkboard and you know Rachel walks into the room at that time and she's like listen you know like when I met you you were so like quiet and polite but I I always knew you were secretly strong like me and I really hope it works out so you can stick around this time and Anna is like I intend to and then she just like leaves the hammer on the counter and storms out so the sisters are they're going out to the lake together and someone rides up on a motorboat and Alex is like I'll leave you two alone so she just dives off the rock and leaves um and this guy on this like dingy little motorboat comes up and it's the guy from the beginning that like Anna was making out with and he's like um he mentions that like I wish I could have visited you and Alex is like well you should have slit your wrist too and we would have been roommates um but he tells her he's like listen I wanted to tell you that like I followed you home that night and I saw everything that happened and as he's starting to tell her this like Rachel shows up and he was there to like deliver them like groceries and supplies because I guess they live pretty far out from town Rachel like gets the box of groceries and he's she's like and by the way uh Anna could you like bring that box of supplies up to the generator room and so Anna grabs the box of supplies and brings it to the generator room. And when she's in there, there's this like big tank that has like a faucet on it. And she's like transfixed by this faucet for a moment. But then like the later that evening, like they're all in the living room just watching a movie and the dad and the girlfriend are being like 
a little too cozy and it's gross. Um, so Anna like goes upstairs and she hears something in her dad's office and she goes to check it out and she sees this like glass sphere that's like half broken. Like, I don't know, some weird paperweight thing that an old guy would have in his office, but it's like half broken. Um, so then she's just like, she wanders out to the boathouse and, and she's like hearing the bell in her head. Um, and she's out in the boathouse and then she sees like the like zombie carcass version of her mom, like crawling on the floor and walking toward her with the bell on her wrist. And then she like lifts her hand, lifts her hand up to the sky and like points a finger and yells murderer. And Anna is just like crouched down, like screaming, scared shitless. And then like Alex comes in and like tries to consult console her obviously like the mom wasn't there and alex can't see anything that's going on you know it's all it's all going on inside anna's head um and then they hear like rachel yelling for anna back at the main house so she anna gets into her head that like her mom is trying to tell her something and that the fire wasn't an accident and that rachel caused it right and at one point like alex and anna are just like sitting in a bathtub chatting and alex is like trying to further convince anna that rachel is guilty and she's like this isn't all in your head like it makes perfect sense and rachel like taps on the door and asks anna if she wants to go into town with her and alex is like you should go that way you can you know talk to matt again because you know you can try and get him to say what he started saying the other day so rachel drives them into town and they're in this like bmw convertible and anna's like what happened to my mom's car and Rachel's like, oh, I just thought the family needed something a little more fun. Like, okay, girlfriend. And they're they're at a diner. They're having lunch. And Rachel is wearing like this um, this necklace that's just three strands of pearls. It's a lot of pearls for the daytime. And she says that they were a gift from an old patient of hers. And Anna's like, oh, that's really nice. And Rachel is like, listen girl I wiped old people's asses for a living and it was not fun it was not glamorous and none of them were like beautiful people like your mother was um and it was awful but the only way I got through it was I would constantly tell myself that they would be dead very soon so very just cold you know um and Anna look is looking over at the like the bar at the diner and she sees that little redhead girl from her dreams and she like slowly like twists around to face her but then, like, when she turns back around, no one is there. So they go, like, across the street to the store to get some groceries or whatever. And Anna finds uh, her guy, Matt. He's, like, in the back room stalking. And she confronts him. And she's like, I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, and I need you to, but I need you to tell me what you saw that night. And, uh, like, before he can say anything again, Rachel, like, interrupts him. And she's like, uh, by the way, Matt, we don't really need you to make deliveries to the house anymore. Like, that's not necessary. But um, Matt and Anna agree that they're going to meet at the Rock that night at 11. So back at the house, Alex and Anna are going through Rachel's uh, unmentionables. Um, I'll mention them. Lingerie and vibrators. Um, and then they find this, like, um, set of, like, a bunch of needles and vials. And Alex is like, oh, that's enough to tranquilize a horse. Um, and so they take note of that. <laughs> and then Alex takes the batteries out of her vibrator. Like, oh, you got her. Um, and so they go down to the rock that evening uh, around 11 because they're waiting for Matt. But then they never see him. So they go to bed. And then... Anna's dreaming and she dreams of the little redhead girl at the diner and the two little boys that are with her and they all turn around to look at her and they like they're holding a big old glass of milk and when they drop it it just turns into blood and then Anna like wakes up from her dream and Matt like shows up to her window 
and he's like cold and wet and he says that like his back hurts and they start kissing a little and then like the bones in his back start like breaking and twisting and Matt is like your mother tried to warn me but I didn't listen to her and then he starts like crawling on the floor like the fucking exorcist and Anna just leaves and like shuts the door on him and it's dawn now and when she opens the door again he's gone and then she hears helicopters overhead so Anna and Alex go back down to the lake and they see like there's a boat full of cops and they're pulling Matt's dead body out of the water and you know Anna is just like inconsolable she's like what the fuck happened to him the cop comes and talks to her and he suggests that Matt's boat must have like hit some wood and he fell out of the boat and broke his back and you know he like offers his condolences and then Anna goes to tell her dad she's like Matt was coming to see me like I saw him in town yesterday and he was trying to tell me that he saw what happened the night of the fire but Rachel overheard he and she didn't want him coming here she didn't want me to know what happened and like you have to listen to me like something weird is going on and the dad is just like please please don't do this like just just please you know don't accuse my girlfriend of murder right now thank you um and just leaves it at that pretty much so later Anna is just crying in her room in front of the mirror and she's talking to Alex and she's like I like I thought it was a dream but it wasn't like Matt was there he was holding me and she has these like bruises on her arms from where he was grabbing her and Alex is like okay now I'm really scared because it's really just us two like we're the last two people standing in the way between Rachel and quote what she really wants um and so this they decide to do some investigating they look up like her like nurse application and her old references and stuff and are trying to find some dirt on her and it seems that they do but Rachel is preparing for this fancy dinner party it's kind of like a book launch party I guess um and while she's getting ready like she puts some lipstick on Anna and she offers to let her wear those like expensive pearls and while she's like you know draping the pearls around her neck she's like so what's your real name Rachel um, because your social your uh, social security number matches a Rachel Summers, but it's a Rachel Summers that died five years ago. And Aunt Rachel is just getting like more and more upset. And she like pulls the pearls like tight around Anna's neck. And she's like, I actually I don't think this is going to work out. Um, and so Anna like storms out because she's like she wants to go talk to her dad. And Rachel is just like, you're not going to ruin this night for me. And we've already had a talk with the doctor about your behavior. And we're starting to think it was a mistake letting you out. But you're not going to take this away from me. And uh, get out because I have guests coming. So later, Anna is all done up. And Rachel is in her finest pearls and heels, you know, is in her dinner party serving mode. And um, the dad talks to Anna for a minute. And he's like, listen, Rachel's very nervous. Like, she's new to this. You should just be nice to her and help her out. So she does. Anna goes into the kitchen to see Rachel and asks her if she needs anything. And um, Rachel is, like, getting a roast out of the oven. And she she puts it on the counter to sit for a minute. And um, she asks Anna to take out the garbage. So Anna, like, takes the garbage bag out. And then it, like, starts to, like, creak the way it did in her dreams. Like, there's a dead body in it. Um, and when she like looks inside the garbage bag, like it's nothing, it's just garbage, but like a can falls out and like rolls under the stove. So she's like cleaning up some like tomato sauce and looks under the stove and sees a little redhead girl. And she like pops out from under the stove and Anna is like knocked back onto the kitchen Island where like the roast was sitting on top. So the roast just like falls to the ground 
And then Rachel like comes into the kitchen like at that moment and is like pissed. She's like, what are you trying to do to me? And she's like holding that like that like big old meat knife that has like the two tongs, you know, and she's just pissed because that roast took fucking hours. And, you know, obviously there's not a little redhead girl under the stove, but Anna is freaked out. Um, And the dad is just like, just go to bed, just go to bed. And so later that night after everyone leaves, Anna uh, confronts her dad in his study and she's like, Rachel has been lying to you about everything. Do you even know her name? Do you even know where she's from? And he's like, I'm not going to even justify that with a response because that's crazy. And then Anna notices that he's not wearing his wedding ring anymore and asks if they're getting married. And he's like, yeah, we're going to get married later this fall. And I'm not ashamed to be happy again. And it's like, you should be a little ashamed. I mean, this was your dead wife's like nurse. Like they're, mm, you should be just a little ashamed. I think. Anyway, it's the next day or, or a couple days later. Also, like it is weird that, um, you know, she continued with having this dinner party after like this kid died, like right outside their house. Like in addition to like everything that like everyone already knows happened in this family that like, you know the mother died and and now the dad has moved on quite quickly it's like then like a kid dies like in the lake outside your house and you're still gonna have people over for a party that's a little weird but anyway that's what she did and a day or a couple days later I don't know the dad leaves for like a business trip or whatever I don't know what kind of business trip a writer would go on maybe a press tour or something whatever but um so Rachel has to take Alex and Anna to Matt's funeral by herself. And while they're there, Rachel is just like glaring at Anna from across the coffin. But then Anna sees that little redhead girl again and she wanders off to like follow her through the woods and she gets to the top of this hill and um, the redhead girl is joined by the, the two little boys and they all hold hands and they walk away and she follows them until they disappear and literally slips and falls right into this triple grave. And we see like the headstone, it says like the right children. Um, so later she and Alex are like searching the right children on Google and found out that they had like died and were buried in a shallow grave next to their home. Uh, after they'd been like heavily sedated and then repeatedly stabbed and there was a nanny who lived with the family at the time who was only like 19 um, and she was like never seen again after this had happened and in this photo of the family the matriarch is wearing pearls that look exactly like Rachel's pearls that like three strand necklace and so Anna and Alex agree that that's their proof and that this ends tonight. Um, but Rachel is right outside of Alex's door and we see her like walking away kind of like panicked after overhearing them. So later <laughs> um, they peek into Rachel's room and they see the pearls. And for some reason, Alex decides that she's going to climb out onto the roof to sneak around the house for some reason I don't really know why but she she goes out on the roof and Anna goes downstairs to grab Rachel's keys because that's what Alex told her to do and then she makes it back around to Rachel's room and the door's open and and she sees the jewelry box and it's closed now and she can't see the pearls anymore so she goes in and when she tries to open the jewelry box Rachel is like right behind her in the doorway and she's like what are you looking for are you looking for these? And she's like holding the pearls and she's like, you can take them. They literally mean nothing to me. Like here, have them. And Anna's like, we know everything. Um, and Rachel's like, what? And then when Anna like reaches for the pearls, Rachel has like a needle and is like trying to like stab her to sedate her. 
But Anna fights back and beats her in the head with a perfume bottle. And Rachel's like, I don't want to hurt you. And you can make this easy. But Anna like runs off into Alex's room. And Alex is on the ground in there. And she's like, Rachel drugged me. And she's like drifting off. And Rachel is on the banging on the door, like being real scary. And Alex tells Anna she needs to go to the police. She's got the pearls. And, you know, so that's her proof. And so Anna, like, kisses Alex goodbye. She puts the pearls in her pocket, and then she climbs out the bedroom window. Um, And so she makes it down to the ground, I guess, and she runs to Rachel's car, and she peels out of the driveway super fast, but then Rachel is, like, banging on the glass and, like, opens the door, but Anna, like, zooms away. She gets away. So Anna makes it to the police station, and she's in the room with the cop who, like, it's the cop she had talked to earlier after Matt had died. And um, she's telling him her theory. And she's like, Rachel is actually this woman named Mil- Mildred Kemp. She was a nanny from years ago who killed three children and got away. She was never heard from again. And the cop is like, okay, I hear you. Sit down. Wait here a sec. I'm going to go. I'm going to look up this in the system and then it's like no you like really have to hurry because Alex is still at the house and so is Rachel and I'm really worried that something is going to happen to her um and he's like okay for sure for sure but next we see that Anna has fallen asleep on this couch in the cop's office and when she wakes up she like she like looks across the room and she like sees like her mom but she's like not a corpse she's like actually like pretty and alive and she walks slowly towards her but when her face gets close it turns into Rachel's face and she's like oh shit and Rachel's like everything's okay I'm a nurse and with the cop Rachel's able to like hold her down and she like is able to like stick in with a needle and sedate her and so she goes out pretty quickly and so Rachel takes her home and she carries her up those fucking stairs and puts her to bed and she's like changing her clothes and putting her into this nightgown and she's like you know I can't have children myself I don't know if I ever told you that but you know I've always imagined what it would be like to have a daughter but now you've taken that away from me and Anna is like reaching for this kitchen knife that she has on her bedside table and Rachel like moves it away from her and Anna wakes up later that night and when she walks out of her uh, bedroom door she sees just like this pool of blood on the carpet and there's a trail of blood leading like all the way through the house and all the way outside and so she's following it out onto the porch and all the way out to this like outside freezer and when she opens up the freezer she sees that like black garbage bag from her dreams again and she's opening it up you know and she thinks she's gonna see her sister right but she opens it up and it's Rachel's dead body that's right and so she's like oh shit what the fuck happened and then Alex comes into view Alex is also wearing a a white nightgown and Anna is like what did you do and Alex is like I did what I had to do right like I did I did what I had to do that's what we had to do like what other choice do we have and so they hug each other and Anna is like it's okay I'm always going to be here but at that point a car pulls into the driveway and Anna tells Alex to be brave And it's the dad and he comes out and he runs up to Anna and Anna's like, it's Rachel, dad. Rachel started the fire and, and the dad is like, what are you talking about? Like what is going on? And he's just looking around and he's seeing all the blood and she's like, Rachel drugged me and she drugged Alex and Alex had to do it. Dad, she was going to kill us. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know what happened to your sister? She died in the fire a year ago. Like she's dead. What have you done? 
what have you done? And then Anna looks down and she sees that she's holding the knife. And then she follows Alex into the doorway and then just like sees her own reflection staring back at her in a blood soaked nightgown. And the dad is obviously just like freaking out. And he's like, what happened that night? Like what happened? And so we see the memories start coming back to Anna back at the bonfire. Like that guy, she's just like, she tells him to get off get off of her and it, and it wasn't as sweet as like she remembered it where she was like oh not right now it was like she was like get off of me like it was like not okay what was happening and then she runs home and she hears something going on in her dad's study and he she peeks into the keyhole and he she sees her dad hooking up with her mom's nurse um she sees that like clear paperweight like fall to the ground and break and they just continue going at it. And so she's pissed. She runs out of the house. She grabs this lantern with a real candle in it. And she goes out to the boathouse. And um, she fills up this watering can with, I guess, what's gasoline. I don't know what it's like when you live on a lake secluded from people. Um, if you just have, like, a tank of gasoline in your home. I guess you would have to, right, to power, like, boats it is a boathouse. But anyway, so she fills that thing up with gasoline, but she doesn't close the thing all, she's like, doesn't close the tap all the way. And like, Alex has like followed her home. And so Alex is like standing in the doorway and she's like drunk, but she was like, Hey, these like guys want to come back to our house. And Anna was like, this isn't our house anymore. And, um, so Anna starts like running back up the hill, uh with this like can of gasoline and it's like we don't even know what she's gonna do like is she like planning to like set the house on fire we don't even know we just hear the mom's bell and then alex turns to be like hey mom you know what do you need and you know anna is all the way up the hill and the fucking thing just goes up into flames because she left that that gasoline tap on and she didn't bring the lantern with her and when she slammed the door it like crashed onto the ground and so the whole thing goes up in flames and it killed her mom and her sister and it was totally her fault and we see Anna in a bloody nightgown looking down at the boathouse and she realizes that she's been hallucinating Alex the whole time she's been home and then she remembers meeting Matt on the rock that night that they were supposed to meet and pushing him off and like those marks on her arm are because he was like literally holding on to her for dear life but she you know pushed him to his death and then we we see her where she was grabbing at the knife on the nightstand she had actually grabbed it she hid it under her thigh and uh killed rachel so you know the next day she's being carted away by the police and the cop approaches the dad in his office and he's like so I noticed Rachel's real name isn't the same as like the one on her passport or the one on her ID isn't the same as her passport or whatever. And the dad is like, yeah, she had a boyfriend a few years back that used to hit her and had to change her name. And the cop is like, your daughter was convinced that she was actually a woman named Mildred Kemp. Like, why would she make all this stuff up? And we see Anna just, like, staring at her dad as she's, like, being driven away in this cop car. And back at the hospital, she's in her room, and she's, like, looking at family photos, cutting out the, you know, face of her 
her stepmom who never was <laughs> um and her therapist from before he like passes in the hallway and he's like hey how you doing and she's like I did exactly what you asked me to I finished what I started and he's like oh okay and then we we see the creepy girl from across the hall again and she's like welcome home and then we see her name on the door is Mildred Kemp she was the one who killed the children she was the one oh my god I'm sorry but I love this film and let me tell you why I love to I love to watch people go crazy and I also love that like everything comes around full circle because it's like even though we learn that in the end like it's actually not like like a serial killing stepmother but it was still a woman who was like banging your dad while your mom was like in in <laughs> in a boathouse dying slowly you know so it's like it's so fucked up and it's like you can like obviously this girl was gonna freak out and go a little crazy having seen this happen but it's like she saw that happen and then shortly after that her mom and her sister just die in an instant and she's like completely blocked out everything that happened and then goes home and has to fucking kill this bitch who who you know was there the night her mom died but didn't actually have much to do with it at all um god i just i just love it i love to i love to ponder the ways in which people could turn into crazy and also it's like like i said before like the twist in this movie makes it rewatchable because when you go back and watch it like you you start this movie and you think oh it's like it's like a creepy stepmother movie i can i can sympathize with that because you know it's just like tale as old as time but it's um but then when you get to the end and found out find out that it's like not about that at all it's about a girl going actually insane and then rewatching it under that guise it's just i think it's brilliant and i think elizabeth I think Elizabeth Banks plays it really well because it's like on the one hand you can see her being this like cold wretched evil woman but you can also see that she's actually just scared shitless because you know she knows that she came into this family in a really fucked up way and is now in a really fucked up family where you know the mom was gonna die anyway but she like died horrifically instead and the sister did too and so now you know she's still trying to get her man but she has this like girl who's gonna be her stepdaughter who like hates her validly and so it's like obviously she spends the whole movie like scared and trying to like keep her distance from this kid but you know it doesn't make no difference she gets her in the end um and you know on the one hand you have sympathy for for Elizabeth Banks because it's like she didn't actually like kill three children she's not that evil but she 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 did she did she did <laughs> she did take this job um to care for a sick old woman and then and then fuck the woman's husband in a separate house and if the thing about the bell is true that like she put it on her to know when she's coming or just to like or if it was actually a way to get the kids attention i don't know either way it's kind of like there are like unanswered questions but I think it all comes full circle very beautifully and like you know I've never like compared it to the sixth sense but it's like similar in that way where it's like the whole time we think the sister is alive she's just like she's just the rebellious one so she's just like always running away and she's not putting up with like Rachel's shit or like her dad's shit 
and she's just kind of very aloof but she's also like the devil on Anna's shoulder like telling her like this is what needs to be done this is like what's necessary and is also the one who in the end is like who her sister personifies as being the one to have killed her stepmother like just interesting because it could have gone a different a different way like she could have imagined that she killed her stepmother to protect her sister but she didn't she imagined that her sister killed her stepmother to protect her and which is just so sad I think but uh anyway I found out that this movie is actually a remake of a uh, Korean movie but of which I don't know the title but it's like damn do English people just have no good ideas ever I'm really interested to see the original because like I just think this is a perfect film and I never really see people talk about it ever but I just think it's so creepy and good so the uninvited y'all ugh, ugh, and the way that like the way that like the Matt character like we think that he is trying to like tell her what really happened and that he was killed by the stepmom because he knew too much but actually she Anna killed him because she knew that he knew too much and she couldn't have him trying to tell her what actually went down because like in her subconscious she knew that's dark man I don't know it's just I just think it's very fascinating and I love it So the next movie I watched was The Lodge. Like I said, this movie came out in 2019 and I don't know if it came out like directly to Netflix or what, but I remember it was like streaming uh, pretty quickly thereafter or whatever. But anyway, it starts off where like moving through this house, we see like a portrait of a Virgin Mary We see like a loaded revolver and we hear a woman's voice yelling out for her kids, Mia and Aiden. Um, And then we like, we, we zoom out of the house and we realize that it's a dollhouse Um, and we see the mom. It's played by Alicia Silverstone of Clueless. Um, And she's like peeking her head in the dollhouse and like, she's just looking around for her kids who we have yet to see. Um, But then we see them uh, driving in the car and there's like a little girl and a boy who's a little bit older in the back seat and she's like hanging her doll out the window and the like her older brother is played by uh one of the kids from the 2017 it one of those kids right and his name is Aiden um and they ask their mom if she'll be there and the mom is like I don't know probably not um and then they call her the r word And they get to their dad's house and the dad like comes out and greets them and the kids run off to play and he invites the mom in for a cup of coffee. And when they're inside, he says she's not here, but like the mom like saw her silhouette in like the window when they were driving up and she sees like the back of her head now, like going into like the outside gate or whatever. So he's just lying to her face, right? But then he tells her that they need to finalize the divorce because he and Grace want to get married. Um, And she just says, okay, but just like leaves quickly and angrily. And then we see her back at her house and she pours herself a glass of wine and she sits at the dining room table and she takes off this necklace that she's wearing and she pulls a gun out of her purse and she puts the barrel in her mouth and she pulls the trigger. And so next we just see this little girl holding her doll at her mom's funeral and her brother's next to her holding her hand, trying to comfort her. 
And after the service, they go outside and they release these like black balloons into the sky, like right underneath this just giant cross. And later this girl and like this actress, like I kind of feel bad for her because, oh, my God, she did such a good performance it's like are you okay actually uh but she was crying so much and she was just like laying in bed she was like she can't go to heaven and like the dad is trying to console her and it's like how do you like console a child who's like coming to terms with the religion that like you taught them like it's so sad i can't even imagine and so this girl is just like crying to her dad being like no you don't understand she can't get into heaven and she's just like so upset and her brother is just watching from the doorway and later he comes in and he lays next to her on the bed or on the floor with a blanket um and then we keep getting shots of this like creepy little dollhouse um the dolls are like all praying to the virgin mary painting and then in another room the dolls are all sitting around for like thanksgiving dinner but then in the real world the dad and the son are getting uh setting the table for thanksgiving but they've like decorated the house with like roasted turkeys which i guess are fake because they seem like really light they're just like hanging but it's just like a weird choice of decoration i don't really it it kind of freaked me out i don't really know if that was like intentionally creepy or what but it creeped me out um and the dad tells the kids that grace is about to be there and asks if they would all want to go up to the mountains together for Christmas. And the boy is like, I don't want to go anywhere with her, especially not on Christmas. And he's like, it's all her fault. Um, and Grace is like a psychopath and I don't want to be around her. And the dad is like, who told you that she was a psychopath? And Aiden is like, she's in your books, right? And the dad doesn't reply, but the, like the doorbell rings. And the dad goes to the door and like hugs someone, but we don't even see her and they don't come in. And then they're like all having dinner together and he says that he has to leave later. So he goes out to see his little girlfriend and the kids are snooping around in his study and they look up Grace on their dad's computer and they find this article about her being in a cult where everyone killed themselves except for her. Like she was the only surviving member of this cult. And they find this video that shows this guy preaching preaching to a group of kids and they're all just like wearing shirts buttoned up all the way to the collar and he's just standing in a in front of a bunch of crosses and then like the shaky cam is like walking through this right and just like going down into this uh basement and then into this room where a bunch of people are just sleeping and they all have these like cloths covering their face like these blue satin cloths covering covering their faces and like they the person behind the camera like takes one of the things off and reveals like the person has like duct tape on their mouth that says sin in like Sharpie. And then the camera turns to a mirror to show that like Grace is the one behind the camera, the dad's girlfriend. Right. And so the dad like walks in on them in the study and they hide what they're doing. Um, And he was like, I was just with Grace and she really wants to meet you guys and come on this trip and ask them to consider it. And next thing we know, the kids are, packing up their stuff um and mia has this like bag of like tiny like shrimp or something that she's trying to buy for some reason even though it's like the winter um but they they load up the car and then they go to pick up the girlfriend um and she has this adorable little dog it looks just like my dog but like all white so like an all white shih tzu with like the hair a little bit long and shaggy it's so freaking cute and the dog's name is grady 
So it's Grace and Grady. And I'm kind of obsessed with that. Um, but she like, she turns around in the car and she like timidly says hi to Mia and like, doesn't even try with Aiden cause he has his headphones on, but they all like drive into the mountains and it's just a long, quiet drive and it's nighttime by the time they get there. And Grace like obviously feels super awkward and out of place, but it's like, I don't really have any sympathy for her because you put yourself in this situation. Like, I don't know why you would think that this is a good idea, but like you could date anyone else. You do not have to date the guy with the ex-wife who just killed herself. Like, I'm just not so sure about that. But I guess they were already, like, sort of engaged when that happened. It's just still, ugh, it's upsetting. But she's settling in, and she has these, like, gifts for the kids that, that are, like, wrapped up in Christmas paper, and she, like, hides them in her drawer. And they all sit down for dinner, and there's this just, like, creepy portrait of the Virgin Mary behind the kids. And uh, Mia says Grace, and just a couple moments later, Grace's nose bleeding. Um, but later, like, Grace and the guy are in bed together, um, and she's staring at this crucifix on the wall, and he's like, do you want me to take him down? Like, those are Laura's, who is, like, the ex-wife. He's like, I can take them down if they bother you. And she's like, no, they don't really bother me. Um, and in the other room, the kids can, like, hear them giggling and stuff in bed, you know, gross. Um, but the next day the kids are like outside with their dad and they're like clearing the snow off of the, uh, like frozen lake so they can skate on it. Um, and Grace goes down to join them, but the kids are pissed because she's wearing this hat that apparently their moms. So she just like hands it over and then Mia like puts it on, on top of her hat. And then Mia's playing with her little doll on the ice and Grace is trying to tell her to like stay back because there's a fishing hole but Mia's already, like, shot her, like, doll down into the icy water. So Grace goes and tries to, like, get it for her. But, like, the ice crumbles beneath her and she falls in. And the dad has to come over and fish her out. But, like, awful. So she's, like, sitting by the fire later, like, trying to warm up. Um, And the, like, guy goes in the other room to take a work call. And when he does, she, like, sneaks upstairs to go and, like, take some medication. Which she hides from him when he comes in. And he's like, I don't want to go into the city. I don't think it's right to leave you here alone with him. And she's like, what? That, that was the plan. That was like our original idea. Like you can go. We're going to be fine. And so then he like shows her that he has like a gun in this safe in the closet and they go out to like shoot it. And she is like far too good at shooting it. <laughs> um, but then they wave goodbye to the dad and he just leaves in his little station wagon and Grace starts decorating the house for Christmas, and she tries to get the kids to join in, but they won't. And the next day, she asks Mia what she wants for Christmas, and Mia says she wants a dog. And Grace is like, I always wanted a dog, too, but I never got one because my family was really into the Bible, and there's nothing in the Bible about getting presents. But I got Grady for myself as a gift to myself when I started my new life. And maybe if you take, like, really good care of your little shrimp there, uh, you can prove to your dad that you're responsible enough for a dog, but she's like, she's got these little sea monkeys or whatever, like in a, in a jar right next to a frozen over window. So it's like really long, long left in them. Um, but later Mia's watching this like old family video and Grace leaves crying after like seeing the kid's mom. And later she offers to make them all dinner, but they won't come out of their rooms. And so she just eats a sandwich alone and she has to like change sides of the table so that she doesn't have to look at the Virgin Mary portrait. And then she just gets up and takes it off the wall. 
And later when she's showering, she like gets out and she sees that someone like wrote mom in like a heart on the fogged up glass of the mirror. And she sees like Aiden's reflection disappear from like the doorway behind her. Very creepy. And so then she's like walking through this house and she finds this like shrine with candles and stuff, which never really gets revisited. I don't really know what was going on there. Um, it was probably just a dream, I think. Um, but then we see her like playing this organ piano thing, but just like banging on these super loud, high pitched notes. And then she like goes into the kids room and sees like that cloth covering their face, like in the video before. And then she like wakes up from the dream and she's like on the floor of her bedroom. And then like, she's looking in her drawer and she finds Mia's Barbie doll, like next to where she had stashed the kids Christmas presents. And so then she like, hears Mia like looking for her doll and she like pretends to help her look for it. And then just like, you know, finds it in Grady's dog bed, which is like, you know, come on girl. She didn't even really, (laughs) she didn't really try that hard. She was like, Oh, uh, what's, you know, what's he doing with that? (laughs) So next we see Grace outside and she's she's trying to call what's his name on the phone, but she can't reach him. So she just leaves him a message. And then inside she's making a sandwich and she offers Aiden one and he's just like, I'll make my own. And she's like, OK, listen here, kid, we're we're stuck in this house together and it's like we can talk or we can not talk, but like, if you want to tell me what's wrong, I'm here for you. And I think it would be better if we could just like get along or whatever. And he's like, I don't want to talk. And she's like, oh, you don't want to talk, but you can watch me in the shower. Like, I get it. Um, But later, Grace and Mia are watching a movie together. And I think it's The Thing. And Aiden makes Grace some, like, hot chocolate or, I don't know, something in a mug. And Grace takes it, but I think that was a far too trusting thing for her to do. Um, And Mia complains about it being cold, so Aiden sets up the gas heater for them. But Grace is, like, covering her nose from the smell and asks if it's, like, even safe to have that thing inside. And then she decides to put on a movie that's less, like, scary monsters in the snow. Um, But she, like, wakes up outside, like, in the snow and, like, doesn't know how she got there and the camera is just like panning out until we see that she's just like surrounded by snow she's just far out and she wipes away the snow and she sees that she's like on thin ice literally uh before just falling right through it um and there's like hands of this person like pulling her deeper and deeper down and she wakes up on the floor of the living room And Mia is asleep on the couch next to her and she picks up her phone, which has been plugged in all night, but it's not charged at all. It's completely dead. Um, And then she realizes that the lights won't turn on and also that the water isn't running. Um, And so she goes to wake up Aiden and she asks him to check on the generator. And then she notices that all the Christmas decorations are gone and the gas heater is gone. And then she or then Mia calls them into the kitchen and shows them that all of the food in the fridge is completely gone. And so Grace is like convinced this is a prank. And she's like, I'm going to go upstairs. And when I come back down, everything is going to be right back where it was. And on her way upstairs, she passes the Virgin Mary poster, which is just, you know, magically hanging up again. Um, and in her room, she just can't find anything. Like all of her like clothes are gone. All of her drawers are empty. She can't find 
any of her pills. And so she starts yelling at these kids. She's like, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I need my fucking pills. And like, where the fuck are my pills? And they're not telling her anything. So she starts tearing their room apart. And it's like they never moved in. Like all of their clothes are gone. And it's weird. And like now Mia's doll is missing again. And Grace is now like calling for Grady and Mia's like he's outside and she's like, well, why would he be outside? (laughs) It's literally a blizzard out there. And so she goes outside and they all go out to go look for him, this tiny all white dog in a snowstorm. And of course they can't find it. And Aiden says that he can't get the generator working and that it's like miles till the nearest town and none of their phones are working. So this quickly turned from like an awkward trip into like a a, we could like actually not survive, survive against the natural elements. (laughs) Um, So they eat cold cans of chili and saltines. And then Aiden tells Grace that he had a weird nightmare that the gas heater started suffocating them all in their sleep. And then she notices that the clock on the mantle says that the date is January 9th. And so she sets it back to December 22nd and she takes a bowl of chili outside and puts it in the snow and hopes that, you know, Grady will come back. And when she goes back in, she asks Aiden if he messed with the clocks and he's like, no, why? And Mia is in her room playing and Grace thinks that she's talking on the phone. And so she bursts in and she snatches a phone from her. She's like, oh, your phone's working. And she's like, no, I'm just pretending like I miss my dad. Um, and so girl looks crazy. Um, and later she's washing herself with some hot water. I don't know where she managed to get the hot water from, but anyway, so when the mirror steams up this time, it says repent. And when she's trying to go to sleep later, she takes the crucifix off the wall and puts it into the drawer. And Mia comes into the room and says that she heard something, a voice. So they walk through the house. And there's a loud bang and the door to the foyer flies open and she goes in and she looks out the window and she sees dozens and dozens and dozens of snow angels on the ground, like crops of snow angels. And it goes silent and we see Grace's just like expressionless face and the hands of someone opening up the safe and taking out the gun. And Grace is walking through the house with a flashlight. And she keeps hearing the voice of that like cult leader saying, just confess, repent your sins. And she hears some like super intense organ music playing. And so gun in hand, flashlight in the other, she like slowly opens this door and the music just suddenly stops. And inside she sees like a person asleep with like a blue satin cloth over their face. And then she slowly peels it away to see that it's Aiden in like a crisp, clean white shirt with the tape over his mouth that says sin. And then we see that it's daylight and Grace is actually just standing over Aiden's body, just like unflinching. And like Aiden wakes up and starts to freak out. And Mia tries to get Grace's attention and Grace smacks her in the face and then slowly realizes that she's like holding a gun. And she like got got fucking Mia that like she has like a gash on her face from this like smack and so the clocks again say that it's January 9th and Grace starts packing a bag she tells Aiden that they're gonna walk to the nearest town and they're gonna call their dad and he's gonna pick them up from there and Aiden is like that's crazy there's literally a snowstorm outside we can't even find our clothes we don't have jackets and Grace is just like okay well I'm gonna go alone and so she's outside wearing a blanket 
and she is dredging through just endless snowstorm until she finally sees this like desolate three-story shack and approaches it and like looks through the windows and yells hello but like girl no one is home no one has been home in forever and she doesn't even like really try to get in she's just like crying and panting and then she's like back dredging through the snow just getting beaten by the snowstorm and she finally like comes upon some footsteps and when she follows the footsteps she realizes that she's right back at the lodge where she started and she gets to the house and like bends down next to the front steps where she like finds some of her stuff has been buried like a picture frame and a candle and some flowers and then Aiden comes out and like brings her inside and then he shows her this picture frame and it says like the picture frame says in loving memory and the photo is a picture of him and his little sister Mia and he he shows it to her and he's like what does this mean like, what if we died? And she's like, well, that's crazy. We're not dead because I'm here talking to you right now. And he's like, well, why can't we leave or talk to anyone? And like, <laughs> also, like, why has your wardrobe been inexplicably reduced down to like a cartoon character's wardrobe? Just like one outfit. Like, that is crazy. Like, are, are they dead? Like, what is actually going on here? Because it's so dark. But later we see, like, Grace is just, like, catatonic at this point. She's, like, cannot speak. But she's, like, hanging the crucifix in the bedroom back up. And Aiden asks her if she wants to pray. And then we, like, hear the cult leader's voice telling us to repent our sins and God is waiting. And Grace is just staring out the window. And then we zoom out. And then we see, like, some other weird-looking guy staring out the window of that creepy shack from like the middle of the snowstorm from before. And like the cult leader is telling us to just open the door. We open the door. door. Um, It's just outside crying in the snow. And the kids are inside praying with each other and she sees them inside praying with each other. And they are, they have this like piece of paper that like looks like a press release that uh, is like an obituary for Aiden and Mia. And um, she's like, what is this? Like, this is not real. Like, you you have to shut up. I know you're lying to me. Like, just, just stop the bullshit right now. Um, and she, like, burns the paper. And then she hears Mia calling her name. And she goes into the hall to see Aiden is, like, hanging by a noose, like, from the attic. And he's just, like, hanging by his neck. But he's able to like lift his head up and he looks at her and he's like, don't you get it? We're in purgatory and you need to confess and repent your sins. And he just like keeps yelling at her, confess and repent, confess and repent. And then upstairs we see that like there's a speaker set up by the window and it's like the cult leader's voice is coming out of the speakers. And outside Grace is just walking around in a circle on her knees, just saying, please forgive me, please forgive me over and over and over. And the kids are watching her from inside. And then they see her come out of the woods holding this, like, small white thing. And Mia runs outside crying and is like, Grady, Grady. And then she's like, please forgive me. Like, it's my fault. I left the door open. It's my fault that he died. (laughs) And she, like, begs Grace to come inside because it's just too cold. But she just sits there on the porch in a snowstorm holding her dead frozen dog. (laughs) And then inside, the kids are whispering to each other, and they're like, they don't know what to do. 
because Grace is still outside and they think she's going to freeze to death. And so they go down to the basement. Aiden is like, we need to stop this. And they go to the basement and they go into this crawl space where they've hidden all of their fucking shit, all of their coats and the Christmas decorations and her pills. And they go out to the porch. They bring her a jacket. They try to put it on her and she just won't move. Aiden is like, we're just messing with you. Ha ha. Just a joke. Pranks. Ha ha. We're not in purgatory. I didn't hang myself myself it was just a trick haha and we know that it was premeditated because when Aiden was like packing at the beginning of the movie you see him putting some sort of like device pulley holdy type device into his bag and it's like what a sick motherfucker and like how long it had been planning this like how fucked up but like she's just too far gone at this point and she just like whispers that they're all sinners on earth And she starts just, like, praying and weeping softly. And so Aiden's back down in the basement. He's trying to get the generator to work, work, but it's not working. And he's wearing this, like, sparkly feminine necklace that is, like, obviously the one his mom took off right before she killed herself. And he asks Mia about her phone, and she's like, it's dead. I, I was on the phone with Dad too much. So she was, like, actually using her phone before and was able to fucking gaslight the shit out of this poor woman. Like, can you believe? So anyway, later that night, they go down into the living room and they see Grace. She's, like, standing in front of the fireplace, but she has, like, pieces of burning wood, like, set outside in front of the fireplace. And she's, like, kneeling on them. And then she, like, bends over and, like, throws up from the pain. And then she, like, prays and she just kneels on it again. And the kids can just, like, hear her screaming in pain from the attic. And in the dollhouse, we see, like, Aiden, like, has, like, a little doll of himself hanging in the dollhouse. And we see the dad looking at it. So he's, like, leaving his, like, house, the house where he lives. Um... And he's leaving a message for Grace on the phone because um, obviously she's not picking up. And so he's driving back into the mountains. Um, and back at the lodge, Aiden wakes up in the attic and his sister's like going downstairs to pee. And she sneaks downstairs and Grace just like slowly sneaks up behind her. And Mia runs up the stairs and Grace just like slowly follows behind her. She's got like a bloody face and she's carrying a gun in one hand and the Barbie doll in the other. And Grace tells Mia that she needs to sacrifice something for the Lord and tells her that she needs to burn her doll. And she just like sets it on fire. And Mia is just like crying. And like Grace, like now that we can see her better, like she's got frostbite. Like she's got like bits of her nose and her cheek that are just like have just like, you know, fucking frostbite bitten right off her face like it's gross she's like a zombie and so the dad pulls up to the lodge and he comes inside and he sees poor dead little grady in his dog bed just frozen and then he sees mia on the stairs and she's got the gun and she's like god is punishing us for what we did he's like we didn't do anything and then she points the gun at her head and she's like you don't get it. I'm already dead and I need to go through the pain of purgatory. And, and she's like, look, I'll show you. And she pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Uh, like there is nothing loaded or something. 
But then she points the gun at him and he's like gently like trying to grab the gun from her hand, but she just like pulls the trigger anyway, shoots him right in the fucking face and he goes down dead. And the kids like crowd over him, like crying for a minute. Aiden is like, Mia, we got to get the fuck out. And then slowly Grace is just like walking outside with the gun and we hear the kids like trying to get away in the car, but the engine is turning over. And then by the time we see them, we see that they're like stuck in the snow. And Grace is just, like, slowly, like, walking all creepy-like towards the car. And next we see the entire family just sitting around the dining room table. The dad there with, you know, a hole in his head. And Grace says Grace. And then she starts to sing a creepy little hymn. And, like, the Virgin Mary portrait is, like, not, like, hung up. But it's, like, it's, like, leaned against the wall on top of this buffet. Like, the frame in like two different pieces by this point <laughs> and the kids are just sitting there in front of it trying to be still but just crying and after singing for a while grace she takes out pieces of duct tape and puts it over each of their mouths and it says sin and then we just like see the shot of the gun on the table and then the credits roll and we don't even actually see what happens after that. But, you know, we can pretty much guess. And oh, my God, I don't think I like fully processed this movie when I first watched it. Like, I don't know. So many questions I have because like, yeah, they obviously like drove her crazy. But it's like, was it was it? I don't know, because it's like one thing that confuses me is like it makes sense to me that if she was off her meds and she was also literally like getting stir crazy in this cabin with these kids that hate her that. I, but I don't understand why she was hiding her medication from the boyfriend at the beginning and also what the relationship between the two of them are like. Obviously, I don't trust this man. Why do you have like a psychological eval on the girl you're dating like what's the relationship there it's obviously very untoward can't support it but also like I don't know think she's like sweet and normal and past it and these kids are just like traumatizing her but was like is this like what was going to happen anyway I have to assume not I feel like they definitely want you to think that like these children like drove her crazy and it's just like very sinister but I don't know I mean maybe just like don't leave your kids with your girlfriend I mean like longer than I don't, I don't think your kids should like ever be alone with your girlfriend like I don't really understand what the deal is like like just because your wife has died does not mean that, like, your girlfriend can, like, fill in. Like, that's not a, that's not, like, an easy trade-off, um, especially because kids are fucking shitheads and they don't want anyone coming in and fucking up their lives, which is, like, absolutely valid. And, you know, also, it's like, was there a gas leak? <laughs> and I guess it's funny because it's like, he floated that notion and the kid wanted her to think that like, oh, maybe we died in like a, a gas leak situation and this is purgatory. So maybe that's the reason he like used the gas heater in the first place. But did they like cut the power? Did like they cut the water? 
Like, what were the links that these kids were going through to, like, fuck with this woman's head? Because it was, like, pretty insane. Like, hanging yourself in front of her, saying repent. Like, that's some evil shit. Like, at that point, like, I feel really bad for the little girl. I don't really feel that bad for this kid, because he was, like, a teenage boy. And, like, what kind of sick fuckery. Also, I have questions, of course, about the beginning of the movie, the way it played out, the way that this woman, you know, she hears that this that her husband wants to remarry and it drives her to kill herself. And it's like, why? I have to wonder, like, I don't know, there's more backstory here because I feel like the uh the dad is some sort of fucked up freak who like preys on women with um mental health issues um but it's because it's like if the like you're kind of led to believe that the mom like truly believes like this is a bad person and doesn't like want her kids to like know her but then why would you like kill yourself and like leave your kids with her i don't know i just thought that was kind of odd I would have I would have liked that storyline to be a little bit more fleshed out in the beginning, but I, I do understand like it was it was a good way to like set up the story. It was jarring and got your attention, and you really need that in the the beginning of this one because it does play out very slowly for the rest of the movie. But I tell you, super creepy. You you know you got cults, you got fear of God, you've got you know. This, the stepmother trope is as we discussed before um and man it's so sad when a dog dies so this movie really had it all <laughs> um but yeah i that's that's the pod this week um i'm excited to get away to the beach this weekend hopefully have a little bit of uh warm sunshine time before we get into this uh, bitter cold that is plaguing New York City. By the way, there's just been a rain cloud over New York City for like the entire month of September, and I for one am fucking sick of it. So if I've been a little bit glummer down lately, I'm just, you know, just know that I'm blaming it on that. Um, and that's my truth, and that's valid. But anyway, that's that's our episode this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um yeah, follow on Instagram if you want some bonus content. I'll be hanging out over there sometimes. Uh, would love to have ya. And I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties. I am truly embarrassed. We're going to be better about it next week. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>